Welcome to the Beards and Bible Podcast, a podcast that brings together a love for good beer and Bible discussion. You can find us on Instagram at beersandbible underscore and on Twitter at beersandbible p1. You can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. In the words of the reformer Martin Luther, Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus let us drink beer. So let's join our hosts Rick and Patrick for this week's discussion. Welcome back to episode number 35 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am one of your hosts, Rick. And I am your other host, Patrick. And we are entering week number... Three, maybe, of Corona Quarantine. I have no idea. <laughs> I've lost, we've lost track of time. You know what? I don't know what day it is. I'm constantly having to ask my wife, what day is it? And then we both Dude, have to look at each other real awkwardly, trying to remember. Do you know who the Holderness family is? I do not. You do not? Okay, so they make funny videos, and they've been making like... I don't know how they're doing it, but they're releasing, like, a video every day, apparently. And they're covering songs. And so they did uh, Foreigners, I Want to Know What Love Is. And the title of it was, I Want to Know What Day It Is. <laughs> so accurate. And then what was the one I saw today? It was, um, instead of End of the Road by Boys to Men, it was End of the Roll. Talking about toilet paper. Mm-hmm. It was really funny. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So go check out The Holderness Family. That's a free plug for... Yeah, we should seven listeners. We should tag this uh, for them. Um, yes. Anyway, so, uh, but welcome. We're we're back. We're what is going on? My watch is blowing up. Everything no, we're good. Is blowing. No, we're good. Um, <laughs> we're here, and uh, we're some. We're kind of in quarantine. Uh, we still have to go to work ish, and uh, I'm still going to work. Patrick's working from home. Yeah, I still have to do work. Um, and it, you know. It is what it's it funny, is. I think I'd get more done, but... Yeah. All my friends who are quarantined, they're like, dude, how are you dealing with quarantine? I'm like, what's quarantine? I literally, like, I'm literally have not changed my schedule a bit because I work for an essential company, so I have to go to work. But you have, you, you have to actually go to the office. Yeah. Yeah. I actually have to go to the office uh, and process stuff. And, and so it's, you know, it's kind of, it's normal for me, which, you know, my family, they're, they're stuck here all day. So when I get home, they're like... Let's go somewhere. I'm like, I just want to go lay down because I've been at work all day. <laughs> but such is life, such is life in this uh, in this coronavirus time that we're living in. And uh, we hope to find you in good spirits. And we have found possibly the worst best beer of the podcast to date. Yeah. Or is it the best worst beer? I'm not really, we're, we're not sure what we've got tonight. Yeah, it's it's going to be a crapshoot, really. Um, <laughs> so tonight we are going to give um, Calic. Uh, I guess I'm pronouncing that right. I have no Maybe idea. Maybe Calic or Calic. 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 Let's go with Calic. That sounds cooler. I think K A L I K. Um, 
So That's how it's spelled. So Kalik, um, Bahamian pride from the um, Commonwealth Brewing Brewery, Brewery Commonwealth Brewery Limited. Sorry, we're not organized tonight. <laughs> um, Commonwealth Brewery Limited in uh, in the Bahamas. They're based out of Nassau uh, in the Bahamas. So um, if you go to the website, the the vibe you're gonna get is like a knockoff Bud Light looking thing. Yes. Which the which the can't like now that I'm looking at it, I actually can see knockoff Bud Light. <laughs> like just looking like they could have taken Bud Light out of one bottle and put it in this bottle and we may not know the difference. Slapped a different label on it and there you go. I do like the label. The label's kinda cool. Um it's got that it's got that Bud Light blue. Mm-hmm. Um it's just simple. It's like Pretty much every other international beer brewery, yeah, label that you've ever seen. Are those like cowbells on it? That's what I was looking at. It's like cowbells. That's what we're gonna go with. And I'm trying to figure out why they have. There's some awards that they won on here, but you can't really read them because they're too small. Um, they call this a world class beer since 1988. So, I'm just gonna trust them. Yeah, uh, it's a five percent. ABV, um, the website gives you, like, calories and stuff, but no one wants to hear about that. No, we don't uh, calories. No, we don't. We're in quarantine. We're trying to <laughs> save as much as we can. <laughs> um, there's no information on the there's, website that's going to be helpful, so why don't we just open it and see what happens? <laughs> let's, let's see what goes on with this. It, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be honest. It looks like Bud Light. The, the color of it looks like Bud Light, so... I, when we when I found this, so I'm the one that found this, and I was like, "Hey, let's just go down the international aisle, and and this is looks available for both of us, so let's try it." But it, it might this might be the first really bad beer that we've had. We haven't really had many bad beers. I think today. between the two of us, in the first 34 episodes, we've given one beer, like one of us gave a beer less than a three. Yes, and, and that, that was me. That was you on. To Cotillion. I thought you said Mighty no, So there's two. Okay. Shows my anyway. memory. Anyway, so here we go. Anyway, we're going to open up. Open. We're going to open up Kaylee and see what happens. One, two, three. Crack. At least it's not a twist off. Yes. Um, I'm going to give mine a fighting chance. I'm going to put it in the uh, my brew tap thing I've got. So stand by. Is that your kid in the background screaming? Yes, yes it is. He is real upset that he has to go to bed tonight. I would be too. <laughs> he he so, doesn't understand why his parents are so mean and make him go to bed. Because sleep is important, kid. You'll you'll love those naps one day. I know, right? I miss nap time. So, um, first impression, out, out of the bottle, into the glass. It looks like Bud Light. Smells like Bud Light. Oh my gosh, yes it does. <laughs> Plot twist, this is actually just Bud Light. <laughs> what have you done? <laughs> Plot twist, Commonwealth Brewing is actually Bud Light, Budweiser. Anheuser-Busch. So I wasn't going to share this because I wasn't sure how accurate it is, but their website says that they actually brew like a lot of other, like, Big name brands. Yes, they um, either brew them or they own them. Yeah, they own the company. They own them, or or, or some. There's some. 
not sure what it is, but like Heineken, Guinness, Coors Light, uh, Viva Malt. There's a good one. Red Red Stripe, Dos Equis, Um, I'm actually hoping this tastes like Red Stripe. Honestly, that's what I'm hoping. I still haven't had Red Stripe. It's good. It's good. The Kona, the long is it the long border? The the Kona that we've had recently mm-hmm. was on like yeah, Red Stripe, yeah the so. long long board was okay. Long so board, yeah. anyway, um, that's all we're doing tonight. We're doing. Oh god. It's, oh god. Thought I had more in the bottle. Your tap just burped. <laughs> my, even my tap said, no, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Alright, well, let's turn it up and see if it's going to be great. I'm I'm hopeful. Bahamas, don't let me down, Bahamas. At this, at this point, we're just hoping we just want some beer. It, yeah. Bad beer is good beer. Also that. Alright, so, that, so. Here, here you go. Here's the Calic. Calic. Yep. Calic. That's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's not. No, it's, it's not also a, not as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it's very middle of the road. Yeah. Yeah. This. Do you want to go first? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we should get the other beer out. <laughs> <laughs> My, mine's not cold. I didn't have room in my fridge. <laughs> Uh, I'm just kidding. Some people think you should drink beer warm. So, well, we're not not going to try that, so. No, FYI, the next couple of weeks, we're going to do international beers because I went down the international aisle and bought a couple, so. B&B goes international, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's where we'll tag this. Um, it's okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. Um, it's a... This is would be a like pound a few with your guys on the boat on the lake or out on the beach kind of thing. Um, it's a good. I would think it's. I it's better than Bud Light. I mean, yeah, I'll, can, I'll give it. I'll give it this a little better than Bud it's Light. It's better than like Bud Light or Coors or any of those. Miller, yeah. Um, it's just. It's just kind of a average beer. There's nothing real special about it. This um, is one of those beers that when when somebody first turns 21 and they drink one, they go, I don't like beer because they had one of these mm-hmm. and they think this is what all beer tastes like. Yeah. Or this is the one they drank when they first turned 21 and they loved it and they drink it forever. Yes. <laughs> either or. Like either, <laughs> either end of the spectrum there. Um... It's exactly what I expected it to be, which was which is an average, mediocre beer, <laughs> kind of watery beer. Yep, it, it's it's that. it's really light. It's not bitter at all. It just it just tastes this, it tastes like beer. That, that's, this isn't even the light version. I yeah. can't even I can't imagine what the light version would be like. The light version, the logo looks like natural light, <laughs> natty light. <laughs> the zero beer the zero beer <laughs> the anti-beer so the anti-beer um what guess, you gonna give this I'll, I'll rank it um, a rating on there it's not terrible it's 
I can't believe I'm saying this for any beer, but I'm gonna go down to three. Oh man! Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it three Luthers. Um, I'll drink the rest of them in my fridge and probably never drink it again. Like that's the. Yeah, I've I've got a couple of beers in my fridge that I've had for a while, and it's either I forget that they're in there or I don't want them. Yes. And, then, and then when you find one that you that you like, you're like, oh yeah, I forgot I had this. And then when you see ones that you didn't like, you you're thinking, I've I've got to I got to throw this in the woods or something. <laughs> Glad, but anyway, uh, Kaylick, I'll I'll drink the rest of you and then never buy you again, probably. But um, sorry, <laughs> I'll give it three Luthers. It's it's not that bad. So. It's a frat boy beer. That's 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 okay. That's, that's exactly what I was thinking. Is this is a frat house beer? Is what this is. Yeah. So I mean, like you could probably drink a lot of these and not feel anything. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a frat, you probably don't feel anything. Anymore so you have no emotions. This is my this was my thought, and and I'm I love that you said that because we like in case you hadn't figured it out yet, we do this live, like. We don't pre-taste. We don't talk about anything ahead of time. We just go right off the top of our heads. The only time we pre-taste is if they're like we get some spillage and there's some on our hands or something. If if I spill it, tiny bomb. Um. So so my thought was because this this was not really a cheap beer, and frat houses are known for their cheap beer. Mm -hmm. Like you know they'll they'll buy. 17 cases of Natty Light and pay $80 for 17 cases of Natty Light, but and they got be, enough beer. And they'll be good for the weekend. Yeah, and I was like, that's enough for one party. Or half of one party. Uh, but, the, you know, for the frat, par- frat party, it's all of the people that are coming over and mooching beer off of them. They're not giving you the expensive beer. So, uh, my thought was, this is like the rich kid version of frat boy beer. <laughs> yeah. Because it is more expensive. <laughs> I mean... I got it for nine dollars. Yeah, so. which nine dollars isn't bad for a six pack, but considering you can buy twenty four Natty Lights for like ten, true. <laughs> and that in Natty Lights come in twelve ounce cans. Twelve ounce cans. This is actually less than twelve ounces. Yeah, it's eleven point six seven ounces. It's a classic international amount. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, frat frat house beer. I'm totally down with that. Um, and and in true form, I'm going to come in a little bit lower than than Patrick because I'm mean. Uh, I'm going to come in at two and a half Luthers on this. I thought you would um, go all the way to two. Yeah, I'm not quite going to go to two. Um, and I'm not giving, like, style points or anything this time around like we did to, what was it, Mighty Banyan. I ended up at, like, two and a half for it. But it got a one one point for style just because the can was so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give it, I mean, this is a true two and a half. It's This is literally the definition of middle-of-the-road beer that... The only way that I'm actually going to drink this on a regular basis is if somebody buys it for me. It's not bad, but it's not good. Um, you know, it's nor- normally by now we're like almost done with our beers, especially when we get a good one. And I've still got half of mine going on. I'm about halfway. And I'm probably not going to finish it quickly. Um, so, you know. That's what it is, but but this is. I was hoping for something like Red Stripe. I did not get Red Stripe. Um, to me, Red Stripe is a lot cleaner taste than this one is. Um, I still haven't had Red Stripe. I need to go get it. It's a good one. I do. I do like the Red Stripe. But but you know, this is <sighs> this would this would get you by in a pinch 
Um, I think I don't think I would ever sit down with dinner and eat and drink this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is definitely like a summer afternoon, just hanging yeah. out. If, if I'm on the, if, if we have sports, you don't have anything if have, else. If we have sports again, you're watching sports and drinking <laughs> these. Yeah, you know, I've just got done cutting the grass, and this is the only thing in the fridge. Yes, I'll take it. Um, but but you know, as far as it's almost. Uh, would you rather have a cold calic or a warm no crust? I honestly think I'd rather have a warm no crust. <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, it's, I just, this is, this is the definition of mediocre beer to me. And, and maybe it's because they're, I, I didn't realize it when I bought it, but they're, they're apparently made by a huge company. So this, this goes against, I guess, what, what we typically do, which is craft beer. Um, calic or calic or whatever is not probably in that, that realm because it is a major manufacturer. Um, but, you know, we ended up with it, and it's from the Bahamas, and, and it is what it is. But there you go. There's uh, there's your review of your of the most popular, I don't even want to say popular, the biggest brewery that we've ever done uh, produced a mediocre beer. And I don't think we really care. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to drink it. I'm, I'm not going to get to the end of this episode without finishing it. Um, no, I'll finish it. I'll finish it. And, and maybe I'm being a little bit too mean. I don't know. Um, it's not. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. But for me, it's not much better than Mighty Banyan. Yeah. It, I mean, it's since we started doing these podcasts in whenever that was June or July of last year, I have strayed from my Budweisers, my even my Yinglings to an extent. Mm-hmm. And when I go back, like, if I go to a restaurant and I'm having a, a steak or something, not now because of the quarantine, but <laughs> um, go have a steak when I, back in the day when I used to go places, um, if I would get a beer, I would get a Budweiser. I've done that a couple of times, and it's just not good to me anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is in that ballpark. Yeah. This, this is in that same realm um, of what... I now remember Budweiser tasting like, and it's just, yeah. it's just not great compared to no, some of the other stuff we've had. It's yes. just even some of the like, not good. Some of the good, not great stuff that we've had yes. is, I would say, leaps and bounds better than this. Yes. So, I'm still going to give it three because it's it's a good. It's it's beer. It's obviously beer. <laughs> better than water yeah i mean <laughs> but it's you know it's nothing right home about it. it's just it's just bad beer yeah it, I'm, I'm with you it's it just there's nothing there's nothing great to say about this other than it's a decent beer you want to hear a really funny meme sure let's so one of the things that i have appreciated about coronavirus is that it has produced hilarious jokes from people who have nothing better to do than sit in quarantine. Well, stuff that they don't have anything better to do is stuff the government has told them, hey, you have to stay home. <laughs> you have unless stay you home. have to go, unless you have something to go do, you have to stay home. So I don't know who, I don't know if this is a post or a meme or whatever, but it got sent to me the other day. And it says, how messed up is it that Cinco de Mayo finally falls on Taco Tuesday 
and will get messed up by a virus with the same name as a Mexican beer. It's incredibly accurate. <laughs> That's, that was so great to me. I, I laughed probably a little bit too hard at that one uh, when they when my friend said it to me. But, yeah, I that's really humorous, and it's true that, that it's entirely possible that Taco Tuesday on Cinco de Mayo could be messed up. Yep. Because of Corona. <laughs> yeah. The thing, the thing I didn't see it, my wife saw it, um, since we're sharing memes now. Show, memes. It's, it's show and tell, I guess. So, um, but, uh, my wife saw this one that said, um, it's weird that during the trial run of socialism, Bernie Sanders bowed out of the presidential race. Ouch. That is so true. And I said I said a couple of weeks ago that Bernie Sanders was a terrible socialist. Uh, apparently so. he's not. Apparently he doesn't understand what socialism <laughs> is. So. so there you go. There is Calic, Calic beer from the Commonwealth. Um, and... Now we're going to move back into J.I. Packer's Concise Theology. And we're going to try to cover three more topics tonight. Pray for us as we do this. And we're back. Uh, Kalik is gone. We've we finished those. And Praise the Lord. Yeah, we're moving on to bigger and better things, hopefully. Hopefully next week, the one we have will be uh, better. I think it will be just based on the... Uh, it's from Germany. Yeah. It has to be better. Our, and our experience with German beers are, are fairly decent. So, yes. um, so tonight we're going to talk, um, like Rick said, we're going to... Try to cover three topics from J.I. Packer tonight. And we're going to talk love, hope, and enterprise. So not faith, hope, and love, but love, hope, and enterprise. Um, and love and hope are kind of our basic foundational points of Christianity, Um but I do still think that there's some depth there that we kind of gloss over because we, you know, oh, God is love, and oh, we have hope in things unseen, and it's almost these cliche things that Christians throw around but don't really, like, fully grasp and understand the mm-hmm. depths of when they say them. And, yes. and there's and there's things, you know, about love and hope that... Um, are good reminders for us, especially now that, you know, life is slowing down a little bit and we're all kind of, you know, creating a new normal in our lives. Um, and so how do we flesh out love in this new situation? How do we continue to have hope in this circumstance that we're in right now? Um, so I love, uh, Packer's definition of love, um, or how he, how he describes love. He says that loving is basic to Christian behavior. And then he uses a passage that we've heard probably at every wedding you've ever been to. Yes. <laughs> Which, ironically enough, Paul's not actually speaking about husband and wife love here, is he? No, he's not. So, um, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, Pecker quotes uh, 
verses uh, four through seven, he's and it says, um, "Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs." Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And I understand, like, the thought behind quoting that at a wedding. And um, it's a good thought to have, you know, in that in that marriage ceremony. And, and I am in no way, like, downplaying if you had that read at your wedding. I'm sure a lot of people that you know have. It's just not the point of that passage. <laughs> it's it's not. It's I mean, if you look at the context of First Corinthians right there, chapter twelve is about spiritual gifts and the church, mm-hmm. and so chapter thirteen is about the church. And and I mean, is it is it applicable to marriage? Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's one hundred percent applicable to marriage. But that's not the meaning of that passage. That passage is not meant for you know it was not written for married couples it, the, you know the the corinthian church wasn't going on a marriage retreat and paul needed something quippy to send to them so that they could you know gush and cry over their husbands and wives that's that's not how this went this was a church that was struggling um and 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 they weren't struggling in every area but but they just had some things that needed to be dealt with and and that's what first corinthians really is and Paul gets to this point where in chapter 12, he's talking about spiritual gifts and what each person does inside of the body of the church and and what their role is. And then to top all of this off, he gets what it's called the love chapter, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it's more than just four through seven, which is the part that typically gets quoted. Um, You know, the the beginning of the chapter uh, begins with this whole, you know, if I have the most gracious words and I have the best attitude and I have the biggest, you know, whatever it is, but I don't have love, I'm like a clashing symbol. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so this, this chapter is really built on this idea of this is what Christians are supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. This is not just husbands and wives. This is how Christians are supposed to ask. And, and I think it's, I think it's actually a little bit ironic and somewhat providential that we're in this specific topic in the time that we're in, mm-hmm. you know, we're in a time where churches are being asked to not meet. Um, and there's, there's people who are upset about that and there's people who are not upset about that. And, and there's, and, and I understand both sides of the argument. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think this is an opportunity for churches to get from, get out from inside of your little four wall building that you built and you, you know, you've done years and years of fundraising. And so you're so proud of it because you've got all of this, this, uh, building plans that you put together and you want people to come to your building when, when in reality, the church was never, ever meant to be a building. Yeah. You know, yes, we gather in a building, we, we meet corporately in a building, but that is not the church. It should not define the church, and it should not be what represents the church. Mm-hmm. The church should be represented by its people. And and now, really, I mean, and the way that I see this is the church is being forced to be in their neighborhoods, to mm-hmm. be with their neighbors, to love their neighbors. 
Yeah. And 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 when Packer talks about this being basic Christian behavior, man, I can't tell you how many times I I didn't know my who my neighbors were. And and that and that's terrible on me. You know, that's mm-hmm. that means I'm being a bad Christian. Yeah. Because number one, if I don't know them, I can't love them. Mm-hmm. If I don't know them, I can't know how to pray for them. I can't, you know, and that's what being a neighbor is. It's being there for the people who are closest to you. Now, biblically speaking, a neighbor is any, your neighbor is really anyone. And that's kind of what Jesus refers to in several times. But even more practically, your neighbor is the people that you're closest with. Mm-hmm. And and that's what, that's what, when we talk about love and loving your neighbor and neighbor, I think Packer calls it neighbor love. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what we're talking about. And this is built on Christ's two greatest commands from Matthew 25, I think it is. Mm-hmm. Where it's, yep. you know, you love God and you love your neighbor. You love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what Christ told us to model. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, you know, Christ explains, or Christ commands us to love God, um, with all of our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and then, but our love for Him is to express gratitude to Him that mm-hmm. for His gracious love for us, like He loves us so that we can love others, and then we model that love in how we love our neighbors. Mm-hmm. If you don't know your neighbors, or you don't, you don't interact with them, or as soon as you get home, you close the door, or close the garage door, yeah. or turn out the lights, and get in your little hole or whatever, and. I'm not saying I'm not guilty of it. I think we're all guilty of that. Yeah. But, you know, if you don't know who's around you, how can you show those around you love? And it's not a, you know, ultimately the goal is to share Jesus with them. And ultimately the goal is to pray with them and and pray for them and and hope that they come to know Jesus as their their Savior. But that is all up to God anyway. That there's, you know. Your job is to be obedient and show them love. And, you know, especially in this time that we're in, you know, offer to go get them groceries or see if there's anything they need or um, if they're, you know, if they're struggling financially, see if there's any way you can help them. That's how, in, in this time, in, in this time right now, that's how you practically show people love. It's not like, hi, I'm Patrick. You need Jesus. That's yeah. not how. That's not how well, it's, relationship and it's not works. About, and it's not about getting close to that person in a physical aspect. Mm-hmm. You know, you can love people from six feet away. You can love people while social distancing. That's yeah. fine. You know, I, I heard. I heard it was. It was a little tweet that somebody tweeted out, and, and I can't remember who it was. Otherwise, I'd give them credit. But they said, you know, the church basically needs to quit practicing social distancing and practice distance socialing. And and when you think about it, when you just flip those two words around, that makes so much sense. We're we're apart. We we kind of have to be apart because of the situation we're in. Mm-hmm. But that we have so much technology at our fingertips that f- even fifty years ago would not have been possible. You know, yeah. Um, well, shoot, fifty like years ago, twenty you could years barely ago, pick up the phone. Yeah, even twenty years ago, yeah. you could barely pick up the phone and call your you know somebody within five or 10 miles without getting long distance charges on your phone, yeah. you know? Um, but now you can pick up your, you can pick up your phone your that you hold in your hand. That's not wired to anything. And you can send a text message halfway around the world in a matter of seconds. 
Yeah. I mean, you could, I mean, everyone is, you know, having to figure out ways to interact with people for, that are a long way away now, or not even that long, like, but, you know, you can, with that same phone that you can send a text around the world with in a matter of seconds, you can fire it up and see somebody else on the other end who can also see you. Mm-hmm. I, mean, you I mean, we have, we have the ability to video chat with people now that, 20 years ago would have been a complete, like, if you had told me 20 years ago, you'd be able to video chat with people with a phone in your hand and they had a phone in their hand. I don't think it, and of course I was 10, so I wouldn't have understood any of it anyway, but I don't think, I don't think we could have comprehended the level of technology that that was, that we were going to have access to at this time. No, we wouldn't. And, and so we have to learn as Christians, we have to learn how to leverage these things mm-hmm. into ways that we can love our neighbors. Yeah. You know, um, when, when we, you know, and everybody loves to use the verse, I have become all things to all people. And, and I'll be the first to admit it. People who consume alcohol are the first ones to point at that verse. That's not what Paul meant for you, for your beer drinking guys. You mm-hmm. know, go to a different verse if you're going to justify your drinking beer. Uh, you know, don't go there because that's not what Paul meant. Yeah. You know, Paul was saying, you you use the things, you use the tools that you have to reach the people who are closest to you. You know, I've become all things. Paul did a lot of stuff so that he could reach the people who were closest to him. Paul was excellent at practicing what Packer calls neighbor love. Mm-hmm. Um, and and this is, I mean, this is really what is profiled here in this First Corinthians passage is this mm-hmm. idea of neighbor love. Yeah. And, and. We're gonna we're gonna wrap all this up when we come down to the end, so I'm not gonna give too much away because when we talk about enterprise, we're gonna we're gonna talk about this too. But just know that that First Corinthians thirteen is not the only place in scripture where this type of love is referred to, this type of neighborly love is referred to. You can go to John chapter thirteen, you can go to first John chapter three and see the exact same thing in those two passages as well. Mm-hmm. Um but but this this love that is really built around a lack of self-concern and it's really built around focusing on the good of your neighbor Mm -hmm. and not necessarily your own good it it says how can i serve my neighbor not how can i protect myself from my neighbor you know my neighbor obviously has coronavirus and so i don't need to get close to them but it says you know what man my neighbor has coronavirus can i go to the store and buy them groceries and leave them on their doorstep and, and send them a text message that says, Hey, I'm praying for you. I know you're sick and I'm, I really hate it for you. I wish we could see each other, but, but I went and bought you groceries and they're on your doorstep. So if you want to come out and get them, mm-hmm. you know, that's what, that's what this type of love, this Christian love is going to push us to. Yeah. It, it's the whole like lacking self-concern. So like the total lack of self-concern it goes a step further when you think about the fact that, you know, you show love to your neighbors in your actions and how you treat them, regardless of how they treat you, regardless of if they can do anything for you or not. Um, if, if, you know, if you do, if you go get groceries for your neighbor with coronavirus and they, you know, say, Hey, praying for you, wish we could see each other face to face, left your, got some groceries left and stuff, whatever. And they come back and say, well, why'd you do that? And I don't really want them or I don't need them or uh, they just are not receptive. Like you still like 
you act out in love yeah. regardless of how they how they respond. Yeah. And, and that's how you truly show love to people who with a complete lack of self-concern for for what it's going to cost you cuz I mean in that situation you it, it took it took you time, you spent your money, you risked exposing yourself to the virus. And then you and then you did that um just out of love for someone who literally in that time can't do anything for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're doing something for the least of these, which is yeah. which is what Jesus talked about when he said, you know, I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry and you fed me. I was in prison and you visited me. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Jesus is talking about. The the people who are the least of these. You know, and, and you're serving those. And he's telling his disciples this, and his disciples are going, you know, Jesus, I never saw you like that. What are you talking about? Yeah. Because anytime you did this to the least of these, you did it as unto me. Mm-hmm. And so, so you know, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about this self-sacrificial love that Christians are supposed to have. Mm-hmm. And and even in today's, uh, in, in our current situation, okay, do I wish that churches could meet together? Yes, I wish that churches could meet together. But the reality is that the vast majority of churches, I would venture somewhere in the in the vicinity of 97% or higher, um, have more than 10 people who meet together. So under the guidelines that we have been given as a society and as a culture from our government, they're saying 10 people or less. Okay, I know some families that are more than ten people mm-hmm. who and, you kick out in that situation. <laughs> yeah, and so, so you know, man, the responsible thing to do is to say, let's figure out another way to meet. Well, let's and, let's do something different. Yeah, and you know, even even at that point, you know, if the government says no meetings of more than ten people, whether we as a church agree with it or not, it's our duty to be, you know. God says to honor the government, honor governmental, honor the officials of government. Yeah. I would argue that if the government says you can't meet until they say you can meet, we, we can't. As, as, a, as a church that say we love God and love his word and love Jesus, we would need to say until the government gives us the okay again, we're going to follow what they, what they, um, yeah. what they advise. Oh. I want to I want to read a tweet. This is from a friend of mine, um, and I'm not I'm not going to give his name, but I want to read this tweet because this is the perfect summation with backing scripture of the approach that I think a lot of pastors need to have in this moment. And and he simply said, if Chris, if the government asks Christians not to meet for public health, we ought to do everything we can to scatter. And he he cites Romans thirteen one through three, which is what you were just talking about. And then the next sentence, he says, if the government asks Christians not to meet because our faith is illegal, we ought to do everything we can to gather. And he points to Acts chapter 5, verses 27 through 29. And again, that is the huge difference. Our government is not singling out churches and saying, no, everybody else can meet except for churches. The government is across the board blanketing saying 10 people or more don't need to meet. And that's mm-hmm. where the difference is. So. You know, if you know somebody or if you're a pastor who is in this in this realm of, you know, well, they're just persecuting churches. No, they're not. Stop saying that. 
it's wrong mm-hmm. and it's deceitful and you're misrepresenting what people are saying. Yeah, there there so, are businesses where ten or more people are within close proximity to them to each other all the time that will likely not open again for a very yes. long time after. It's yeah. not just churches. And there have been multiple companies that I have known known about. I mean, I'll give you a big example. The the restaurant Logan's has shut down. Period. <laughs> Dang. That is a national chain that has shut down. So, church, pastor, you're not being shut down, but a restaurant has been shut down. Mm-hmm. So, you're not being persecuted. Stop saying it. And, and learn to quit being a martyr and learn to love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And it's really irresponsible of the church to act that way, considering the... And check this out for a segue. Um, um, <laughs> it's really irresponsible for us as a, as, or not us like you and I, but for the church to act in response to the situation that way, considering the hope that we have yes, in Jesus, you know, and you know, it's, you know, believe what you want about the virus, whether it's a big deal or not, there is some concern and doubt and, uh, things like that out there, but if we let it steal our hope from us, we are missing a very basic yeah. principle of the Christian life. Yes, and you know, having having a hopeful outlook, not just in, not just in things of this world, but our eternal, uh, where where we end up in eternity, um, having that hope, yeah, is should be what drives us to persevere through the hardships of life, yes. like dealing yes. with a pandemic or loss of a job or whatever. Yes. Yes. And, and that, that is exactly what love produces in the Christian. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's why I said, pastor, you know, quit being the martyr. You're not a martyr. Yeah. You have hope. Share your hope with the people who are around you. That's, that's what hope is. That's what hope does. Hope is contagious, so share it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know it's 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 funny to me because I work for a business, and and our business has really struggled in the last couple of weeks. But you know what we have not done? We have not laid off a single employee. We have not to this point. We have not cut back anybody's hours, and and we're still paying our our employees full time, and you know. Are we, are we probably going to have to make some tough decisions? That's entirely possible, but we want to do everything that we possibly can to help the people who work for our business, who, who, you know, their family sustenance is really dependent on if we are open or not. Mm-hmm. And if we shut down completely, you know, we've got employees who can't put meat or food on their table at the end of the day. And so, you know, what am I doing? How am I conducting myself? And, and you know, I work in a non-Christian environment as far as, you know, just the secular world. Now, I work with people who are Christians, and that makes it a little bit easier to do some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But but uh, in the in the realm, in the, in the total business world, the majority of people that I deal with are not Christians. So for, for us in our business and the way we're conducting ourselves says a lot to the people who are around us, man. That sh- that shop that store is staying open. They're paying their employees. They're working. They're doing things. They're trying to do things the right way. 
is what is what we're trying to portray to the world around us as a business. Yeah. And so, you know, if businesses can do that, if we can do that as a business, how much more should we be doing that? Should we be showing hope to the world that is around us as Christians? Because that is the outlook that Christians are supposed to have, which is what Packer tags the, the hope section as. The outlook that Christians should have is one of hope. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, what, what verse Packer points this time to Romans 15? Tell us the verse that, that Packer points to on that one because I don't have my Bible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's uh, Romans 15, 4, uh, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. Um, I think a lot of times believers, myself included, get caught up in the past and get caught up in all the good stuff that's happened in the past mm-hmm. um, and forget to look forward, forget to look um, look into the future and, and, mm-hmm. and to the ultimate hope that we have. Um, but Packer points out that and I hadn't thought of it that we, I mean, I have, but it's not something that's like in the forefront of my mind all the time. Um, but we should be looking backwards and forwards, mm-hmm. backwards to the manger and the cross and the empty tomb, mm-hmm. um, where our salvation was won for us by the, by the death of Jesus. Um, but we should also be looking forward to meeting with Christ. Um, yes. When we get, when we get through with this world to meeting him and and experiencing that joy of being with him for forever, mm-hmm. um, we should be looking forward to that. Look back on the past and see what has what has happened and what's been done. Look forward in expectation and really almost enjoy just for the joy that we're going to experience. That couldn't be um, yeah. determined or explained. Yeah, uh, we. I mean, we have a hope in Christ. Mm-hmm. We have we have our hope. We have the promise of future salvation in Christ. And, and that, that's basically the orientation of the entire new Testament. Mm -hmm. That's the, that's the, the pinnacle, I guess you could say of the entire new Testament is that yes, you have hope. You have that hope in Christ. You have that hope because of Christ, everything in the new Testament points to Christ. Um, and, and in that time, you know, in, in the first century, they're looking back at Old Testament times when their hope or their their salvation was found in did they sacrifice idols and, and they had to do these certain things. And now Jesus has come and Jesus has conquered death and he says, you know, your hope is in me. And that's what Paul is saying to all these people. He's like, hey, stop looking back at your old stuff. Don't forget it. Remember it. But don't think that that's where you have to be anymore because your new hope is in Christ. Where you are found now is in Christ. And so that is the source of your hope, and that's why the author of Hebrews, so for for ten chapters, really points to this idea that Christ is greater. Christ is greater. Um, uh, I mean, the whole first chapter is devoted to how Christ is better than the angels, and then and then it, it just continues to build this case, continues to build this case, and then it it really kind of climaxes at Hebrews eleven. Where it, where it talks about the you know we have faith and then our faith is built on this hope and this hope is because of all the things that Christ has done, mm-hmm. you know yeah um 
And then that leads us to an ethic of hope. And I've, I really liked this section that Packer brought out. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's break down this idea of the ethic of hope. Of hope. What's the first thing that he talks about? So um, all of these are um, like the ethic of hope. He ca- kind of casts an umbrella over the rest of these. Um, so the ethic of pilgrimage is what he talks about. Um, that, that one should see you should see yourself in this world as a stranger traveling home. Um, we're all aliens, uh, th- you know, this place is not our home kind of thing going on. Um, you know, so everything you have is borrowed and you're not taking any of it with you kind of thing. Um, and, and that should, I mean, that should really give, especially, I mean, we keep coming back to it, but the coronavirus thing is, is what everyone's thinking about anyway. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but you know, this will eventually pass. Um, and, and we will, I mean, when it, when we get to eternity, are we even going to think about the two months that we had to stay locked up at home? Probably not. Because of coronavirus, like, like it's kind of silly. I mean, now it's kind of overwhelming in our life and really scary and chaotic a little bit. But in, at the end of the day, it's not going to matter. Yeah. Because, you know, it, it's a it's a temporary thing. Just like our travel through this, uh, through life is temporary. Yeah. Yes. Um, the next thing Packer talks about is a, is a, uh, ethic of purity. And he, he points to first John, John three here where, where it says, you know, uh, Jesus purifies himself just as he is pure. And, and I, I think where I would go with this and, and, and I didn't particularly pick this up. I may have missed it inside of Packer, but you know, as Christians, we are supposed to live lives that are pure and honoring. Um, you know, we should be, we should be above the fray, mm-hmm. I guess is a way to say this in, in a lot of this thing. So, you know, I, I, I kind of, and this is like, this is disheartening to me, but I hear about these, these pastors who are, you know, we're going to meet no matter what, because we're not going to be, you know, a, a, we're not going to be told by the government what we can and can't do. We're going to get arrested. So yeah, newsflash, bro, you're going to get arrested. Stop being an idiot. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, at some point you have to say, okay, you know, maybe the government is right in this situation. Maybe I need to stop, step back and think twice instead mm-hmm. of assuming that the government is, is out to get me. Is the government out to get you? It's entirely possible. You know, uh, I, I've, I've read articles about what they're trying to do to Franklin Graham up in New York City, who set up a tent in Central Park to help a hospital completely free of charge and, and brought in all this equipment and then sent out requests for people who were local to New York to, who worked in the healthcare industry to come and volunteer their time to mm-hmm. help a hospital. And, and all they were worried about was some statement that Franklin Graham said or, or some the statement of faith that the Samaritan's Purse has where it says, you know, we hold to a biblical traditional view of marriage. Yeah. One man and one woman. Well, you know, they just assumed that that meant Franklin Graham was going to discriminate against LGBTQ whatever people. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Frank, for... You can like or not like Frank and Graham. That that's not part of this thing. But for whatever reason, they thought that. And Franklin Graham is like, we're here to serve New York City. 
we don't care. We're not going to ask you, are you an LGBTQ person on your way in the door? Yeah. You know, and, and, and there's been no record of that happening. Now, if that happened, if that did happen, then I would say, Franklin Graham, you probably need to think twice about it because you're there to help people. Uh-huh. You're not there to determine if they're LGBTQ or not. You're there to help people who are sick and help yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but to my knowledge, that has not happened. And there's been no reason for them to think that was going to happen. But they just assume that he's going to do that. Yeah. But but I can appreciate his level of transparency saying, no, we're here to serve New York. That's what purity is. Mm-hmm. It's a level of transparency that says, you can observe me all you want to. It's fine. You're going to find out that I'm consistent with what I say. Mm-hmm. I believe what I believe. You're not going to change my mind. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to treat you any differently as an LGBTQ person than I am this person who's not LGBTQ. Yeah. And so, you know, that's what living a life of purity is. Mm-hmm. And and that pushes us to be what Packer talks about next. Talk about uh, next. Talk about yeah. preparedness. Yeah. So the ethic of preparedness is just the idea that we should be ready um, at all times to leave this world uh, for that, for the close relationship with Jesus. Um when, when, when he come when he summons us, when, mm-hmm. you know, just like a jury duty summons almost, you, you're ready, you make, you know, have your things lined up and, and you go. When Christ calls you home, you should be prepared for that. Yes. Um, and, and, I, and I know that we, we've talked about, you know, the process of sanctification and, and but at, at some point your process ends. And at that point, Jesus calls you home. Yeah. And and so when, um, so we should all be working to being ready for when Jesus calls us home. Yes. So, um, yeah. The next one he talks about is a an ethic of patience, and and this one seems to be a little bit harder, especially nowadays for Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. In our world of everything is instant and everything has to come right now, we're afraid or we don't want to sit back and wait for God to move whenever God wants to move. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, that it points to that, to that verse in Hebrews 11 and it also points to Romans. And uh, this is one of the Packer, Packer Rod Hour says, if we hope... For what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the reality is, you know, at this point, we don't have our glorification. We shouldn't try to rush into it. We shouldn't try to get it on our own. And, and you know, I, I remember talking a lot of times, and, and I, for whatever reason, you can you can say, you can disagree or agree, but people always talk about getting ahead of God, you know, trying to do things on their own before God works in his time. And, mm-hmm. and the reality is, you know, you're never going to get ahead of God because God's everywhere. But but the, you understand the idea of what, what yeah. they're trying to say. You know, God's going, he's going to fix you. And, and what it ends up being is you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. and so so as Christians, we need to be patient. We need to be ready. But part of patience is keeping an eye on the things that are around you. Mm-hmm. What is happening around you that you can do? That's part of patience that, that a lot of times, mm-hmm. you know, we just think about patience as waiting. Well, patience is waiting, yes, but it's waiting with this aspect of knowing what's going on around you. 
Yeah, it's it's like an expect it's like an expectant sense of waiting. Yes, like you're you're waiting for God to work, but you're you're doing your part to you're not s- being lazy to, to put the wheels in the motion almost. Yes, yes, you're not being lazy. You're being persistent in the things, and that's what Packer mm-hmm. talked about—the Greek meaning being stubborn persistence. Yeah, um, you're being persistent in the things that you're in while you're waiting, and and that's what. That's what patience is, mm. which ties into the last thing, which is power. Talk yeah. about power. A little so, um, the ethic of power is that our hope gives us strength and confidence, um, gives us energizing effort for running the race, um, fighting the good fight, um, and helps us to endure the light and momentary troubles um, that we cannot escape before we're called home. Um, the, the hope that we have in Jesus and the hope that we live out um, through these ethics do give us power and do help us to persevere through uh, hard times and have help us to be prepared for when Jesus calls us home mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, makes, helps us stay uh, pure and to be like Jesus and treat every situation that we come in, that we encounter like Jesus would, uh, handle it and then um helps us helps to remind us that this earth is not our home that we're just we're just travelers on on the way to somewhere else so which is a perfect segue into the next topic which i had actually never heard this heard it this way before but when you talk about the enterprise Mm -hmm. of a christian you know i I was expecting star trek i'm gonna be honest (laughs) you're expecting spock to come down yes um but and, and it's uh, it it is funny, but hope and love really find their summation in enterprise, mm-hmm. which is which is why I, you know I thought it was applicable for us to try to tackle all three of these tonight because yeah. they all three fit together so well. Yeah, because if you're living a life of hope, if you're living a life of love, then you are enterprising. For the kingdom of God. You are a Christian who lives to please God. Yeah. Which is the way Packer defines enterprise. And, yeah. you know, we, we, we say, we hear the USS Enterprise and we always, we always think Star Trek, but an enterprise is just something that happens with a mission. Um, it, it has a singular focus. It has a singular mission. And that is the goal of whatever that thing, that enterprise is, whatever you mm-hmm. undertake, that is your mission. The Christian's enterprise needs to be living for the glory of God. Yeah. Um, and and how do we do that? We do that by living lives of hope and lives of love. Mm-hmm. We do that by showing the people around us that uh, what First Peter 3 calls us to, you know, we have to give an answer for the hope that is within us. Mm. You know, the reason why we are the way we are. Yeah. Um, and then, and then again, first John chapter three, we, we show love to those around us. That's what, that's what Jesus taught the disciples in John 13. You know, you will be known by your love. You'll be known by the way that you love each other. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot, you know, again, to, to bring this back in, and, and, and I, I feel like I have been harping on pastors tonight, but, but I guess it may be just spending too much time on Facebook has graded on my nerves to where all I see is, is I see so many pastors who are complaining about the situation they're in. 
And, and, and to be fair, I also see a lot of pastors who are not and who are taking, trying to take advantage of every opportunity. And, and to you guys, man, I'm praying for you because I know how hard this time is. I know how hard what your struggle is right now. And so, so you know, I, I want to tell you I'm praying for you. But for you pastors who just can't seem to, to get past the chip on your shoulder, man, you, you need to check where you where your heart is and why you're pastoring. Mm. Because you have the greatest opportunity. You're literally stuck in your house. You could spend the majority, and all of your members, parishioners, whatever you want to call them, are stuck in their house. You could spend the majority of your day making phone calls and talking to people. Mm-hmm. You know, and and which is which is realistically what a pastor should be doing. You have the opportunity to to show hope to to a congregation. You have the opportunity to show love to a congregation. That is your enterprise as a pastor. Do it. Please do it. Yeah. You know, um, I think I deviated way off the path from what Packer was talking about. <laughs> That's right. Um, but I mean, but, I mean, think about it. Uh, the role of the pastor is to shepherd the flock and to to talk to people and um, pray for pray for people and and offer assistance. That's one way that uh, a pastor works to please God. Mm-hmm. And and ultimately, every believer, whether you're a pastor or not. That is your full-time, Packer calls it your full-time employment, yeah. is to please God. And, and, and not yourself. I mean, Jesus didn't live to please himself. And if we're going to say that our uh, model that we're going to follow is Jesus, then we can't live our lives for our own pleasure or our own good. Um, does that mean that we like completely cast away anything that, um, brings us joy or, or does bring us pleasure or anything like that. Of course not, but we should not be living in pursuit of that pleasure. We should not be living in pursuit of, um, things that may or may not be of God, or even if, even if they are of God, that we that we're not thankful to God for them. Um, yeah. and if we're not using our, for not using the things God has given us to, to minister to others and as opportunities to talk to people and build relationship, then we're, then we're missing the mark and we're not pleasing God. So I love, I love the last two sentences that Packer closed out with on the section on enterprise. And I'm just going to read them real quick. Um, it says love will always ask whether more can be done to please and more neighbor love. Remember that we talked about that earlier, neighbor love, more service of others' needs will always be a major part of the answer. Mm-hmm. If your plans for pleasing God involve risk, we should remember that Jesus' parable of the talents commands those who risked their money in the market and condemns the practitioner of the timid inaction. And so, you know, Christian, pastor, whoever you are, wherever you are, you are at an incredible time to reach people at an incredible way for the kingdom of God and the gospel. Mm-hmm. How are you capitalizing? How are you enterprising on that opportunity? How are you living your life to the glory of God? And and I'm going to point to to 1 John uh, 3.11 to talk about this for a second because right there in, in 1 John, he's talking about the love that we have for each other. 
and and now uh, I'm trying to find exactly where it is. Um, <clears throat> I think it's in sixteen. Yes. Uh, by this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. You know, am I asking you? Am I saying that you need to go into coronavirus-infected areas um, completely unprotected and say, well, God's going to protect me? No. You know, we're called to use wisdom. We're called to be smart. But are there ways that you can show love? Are there ways that you can be sacrificial in your love? Mm-hmm. You know, um, the I think the other passage that I brought out earlier was, was John chapter 13, where Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says, you know, he's telling his disciples, the way that people are going to know you're different is by your love. They're going to see how you love people. Mm-hmm. And all of this that we've talked about is wrapped up in this idea of enterprise. You know, the the action behind love is your enterprise. The action behind hope is your enterprise. And so that's how all three of these fit together and and really produce for us as Christians a model and a worldview and a, um, a almost like a neatly little packaged ball that we can say, oh, here you go, Christian. Here's the way you're supposed to be right here. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, this is examples that you have. Look at Paul. Look at Jesus. Look at the disciples. Look at what was written in Scripture. Because it's all there, and all we have to do is look at it. Yep. Yeah, I mean— the Bible is full, especially, I mean, Jesus being the prime example, the Bible is full of our example to follow and, and how we are to live our lives. Are there parts of um, certain people's lives you try not to emulate? Yeah. Um, but, I mean, if, you, if you're if you trusting in Jesus and, and look to him as your example, he's not going to let you down. He's perfect um, from the beginning to the end. And um, as believers, we should be trying to live our lives in such a way that mirrors how Jesus lived his. Amen to that. Don't be like uh, David and kill your best friend and (laughs) take his wife. Or take his wife, then kill your best friend and don't be like him. And and since we're so the week we're recording this is actually would be the week before Easter. It's actually like the Holy Week. So also don't be like Judas. Yeah. <laughs> actually, so it's Thursday, um, which means yeah, today is officially Maundy Thursday. Yes. So this would have been the start of uh, Passover. It would have mm. been the night that Judas betrayed Christ. Yep. In in the garden. What an apt message for the night that Judas betrayed Christ, right? Yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Yeah, that's our that's our discussion on love and hope love. and enterprise from J.I. Packer. We've only got seventy more pages in the book. Woo-hoo. We're actually getting there pretty quick because we've been we've been churning out a, a few recently. So yeah, we've been. But they've pick, all fit together really well. Picking them up and putting them down. That's right. So so, Kalik Kalik. Sorry, you just, you weren't all that great, um, but I'm sure somebody around there likes you. You're, it was a good try, Kate. Yeah. Still, it's still a two and a half for me. 
I'm assuming that, that Patrick's still at a three. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to stay at a three. It's staying at a three. So if they want to find us on social media, where would they find us? So we are on Instagram. I try to do this in the same order every week. So we're on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. Mm-hmm. We are on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. We are on Facebook. Just search uh, Beers and Bible Podcast and look for our logo. And then uh, you can also email us at uh, Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. We would love for you to hit us up and share your thoughts about the podcast, any suggestions for beer that you have. Um, we're coming up on our 50th episode, so I don't know if we want to try to do something different for that or just. We might. You just, never know. Just party or whatever. Have a have a Zoom party if we're still doing this in four months. <laughs> if we're still in quarantine in four months, it's yeah. going to be the Zoom Beers and Bible podcast. Dude, if we're in quarantine in four months, I'm driving to your house just to get out of the house. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring so, it on. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, hit us up on any of the social media platforms. Um, be sure you're sharing the podcast with your family, friends, church, fellow church members. Um Help us, help us uh, advertise a little bit. We're limited in what we can do. Yes. Advertising-wise, at least for now. Maybe one day we won't be, but for now we are. <laughs> Such is life. So, we appreciate your time. Have a good week. Go enjoy a good brew and some good discussion. And we will see you later. Peace out. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. 